Hey guys, welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. In today's episode, we're bringing you sales strategies in a falling market presented by Next Level Mastermind. This webinar was moderated by Ryan Robeson. It also had myself, Cassie DeHaas, and Jamie Woolley from Next Level on it, as well as Doug Hopkins, Chris Iman, Jeff Henry, and Ryan Pineda. In this episode, we go over the changes that we're making in our sales strategies, as well as, you know, with being a couple of weeks in the COVID-19 pandemic, the changes that we're making as a whole in our operations and how we're trying to survive during these times. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, welcome, you guys. This is uh, week three of our kind of Zoom call series, and I appreciate everybody jumping on to be a part of this. And thanks for the panelists for jumping on. It's going to give a brief introduction of who you guys are, and then we're going to dive right into things and see if we can help some people out. So those of you watching that have been on for multiple weeks, you'll notice that we kind of have a whole refresh of the panel. And we did that for a few reasons, but one of the reasons we did that is the four people that are joining us today are all people that I know personally, and they're people that I call ultra high performers. And what I define that as is, and I've seen each of these guys do this, is they adapt super fast to change. And with things changing like almost an hourly or daily basis right now, Having a panelist like them on the call that can show you how they're changing and what they're doing is really going to help you. You know, the other thing I really appreciate about these guys is they're not afraid to invest in self-improvement. I mean, I would guess, Ryan, you probably spend somewhere between 30 and 50 grand a year on self-improvement. Absolutely. Yeah, dropped a lot of coin this last year. <laughs> and it's going to help you, right? And I think everyone on this call, we've either met at a mastermind or we've met through some kind of coaching program or something. And that's something that really sets this panel apart is they invest in themselves for times like this. So I'm going to go with one of my favorite people first, and that's Chris Iman. Did you know you're one of my favorite people, Chris? Did not know that, but I uh, appreciate it. Thank you. No, you're a stud. So he is literally a giant in our industry here in Phoenix. And I don't mean that because you're really tall. How tall are you, Chris? Uh, six, seven, but I thought that's what you're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> so he does 300 deals a year and 400 hard money loans. But let me really put some perspective on this. He does 300 deals a year from his cell phone. I mean, he literally buys and sells deals from his cell phone all day long, which allows you to travel the world and go to the Bahamas and do all kinds of fun things, right? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we all, I'm sure we all do this. Like, as long as you got your Surface and your cell phone, you're off you go, right? Um, except for right now. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the next uh, panelist to go over is Doug Hopkins. And, and Doug, like Chris, has been in the industry since... Well, probably the 90s, right, Doug? Somewhere in there? I was licensed in 94 and started doing uh, going down the courthouse steps in 99. Yeah, and I think Chris said he started in 99. So, I mean, between the two of them, Doug said he, he's either flipped or sold over 15,000 homes in 20 years. And I really appreciate having Chris and Doug on this call because they give us a perspective of what a downturn could look like if we're headed that direction and what it looked like in the last last downturn. And, you know, Doug is also known for being on a show, Property Wars. I bet that was, you probably get asked about that a lot, right, Doug? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was fun times back then. Uh, it, was, it was interesting. I'm glad I did it. It was uh, uh, something that uh, it sucked when we were actually doing it. Filming is not, TV, a TV show is not fun, but uh, now that it's in the, in the bank, uh, it's pretty cool to be able to show my, uh, my kids when, you know, when it's part of, part of uh, American uh, 
what is it called? Uh, culture, American culture back in the day. It was pretty funny. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a really cool show. And Doug's really known for it today. At least what I know you for is, I mean, you are amazing at TV commercial advertising. We might talk about that a little bit. Well, uh, thank you. Yep. Yeah, Ryan Pineda. Many of you on this call probably know Ryan. Ryan was a professional baseball player, and he quit baseball to come and uh, flip houses in Vegas. And, you know, Ryan's an amazing investor. I learned a ton from you. What I love about you, Ryan, is you're not afraid to put yourself out there and give out as much free content to help people as possible. If you're not following him, follow him on Instagram. You've got a really cool book, Flip Your Future. What's the kind of premise of that book that people would learn from if they read it? Man, it gives you A to Z on how to flip a house and um, everything from funding it, managing contractors, rehabs, figuring out what it's worth, and um, only takes you about two to three hours to read. So it's nice. pretty good for anyone. That, that's my kind of read, just so you guys know. <laughs> yeah. You send her a long text messages and she won't reply. <laughs> 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 yeah, and I just want to say, um, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on here and, you know, being a part of uh, Next Level has, you know, like like we had talked about earlier, we, uh, you know, spend so much money on education and other things and people pay me to teach them and all this other stuff as well. Like, for me anyways, I've gotten so much value for so little money that I've spent to be a part of this group. Like, so thanks, man. Oh, we appreciate that. Definitely appreciate that. And, and I definitely didn't want to forget to mention that you run a TrueBook CPA firm, which is kind of cool. So you do the accounting for investors out there. So if you're looking for someone to help with your accounting, reach out to Ryan. Yep. We're getting all those, those grants and loans right now. So you guys better apply quick. They're going to, so I, yeah. I saved Jeff for last because Jeff Henry and I share, share a uh, special moment. We had a Michael Jackson dance off contest in Jamaica together. Yeah. And I have a little video that I'm going to show of Jeff dancing right now if everybody wants to see it. Oh, my goodness. Please do. Please do. There he is. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But he did win the contest, which was pretty cool. So now Jeff's a stud. What, what I like about Jeff, he's, they're, they're a husband and wife team, him and his wife, Belinda. And, you know, we were – my wife, Becky, and I were fortunate enough to go on vacation with them this last year. And what was cool is we're at this family mastermind and where you bring your kids, super fun. And Jeff brought up the fact that – he's no longer going on appointments and he's closing all on the phone now. And everyone kind of like thought he was nuts, right? Because belly to belly, there's that big argument. Belly to belly, is, you can get a better deal. And uh, luckily you perfected that, Jeff, and couldn't be better timing right now. I'm sure we're going to talk about that today. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's dive right into it. Before we go into some of the kind of, sorry, before we go into some of the sales strategies, I want to hear from some of the guys that were part of this market before, what are you guys seeing that's similar to how things went down in 2008 and what today looks like, Chris and Doug. Chris, you want to start or you want me to? You go and I'll finish. How's that? All right. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, you know, the uncertainty in the market is, is the number one thing that I'm seeing right now. Um, there's, there's, for me, it, more, it compares to what happened after 9-11 after in 2001. Uh, where there was so much uncertainty and everyone just stopped what they were doing. Um, uh, and I've seen that in the, uh, in the wholesale world, not so much, especially in Arizona, not so much in the, uh, in the regular retail side. It's, so it's, it's, it's similar but, but different. Um, right now, I think I have 18 regular listings of which 
13 or 14 are pending right now. And as soon as we put something on the market, it's selling and multiple offers. Uh, now, that's not to say some of them are falling out because people are losing their jobs or, they, you know, the news gets worse and, and they just, you know, the uncertainty gets to the buyer, you know, buyer's remorse and, and backs out. That's been happening quite a few times, but we put them back on the market and they seem to sell real fast again. Where I've really seen it, though, is the, the hard money funds are, have been drying up. Uh, a lot of a lot of hard money companies are are, are stepping back and, and taking out, uh, you know, are out of the business. A lot of i buyers, I mean, they they disappeared overnight. Uh, all of them, uh, the big ones, Offpad, Door, Zillow. Uh, I mean, almost know, all at the same time, right? <laughs> it was within, like... within days, within days of each other. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, we're getting calls left and right about you know people that have got their contracts canceled on them. But the numbers that they were closing at were so much higher than what we're willing to pay right now because of that uncertainty. And nobody knows where the market's going to go in, in uh, uh, 60 or 90 days. I mean, we haven't seen a, a dump yet really on, on, uh, on prices. Uh, so it, to me, you know, like it happened in, in 2008 when stuff was going down, you never knew where the bottom was. And it was, it was, that was the scarier part of it. But right now, we're, it, we're I think we're still in the – and everyone's just trying to figure out where this thing's going to go and how, um, uh, you know, how long it's going to last. If it, if it you know, if, it, if the summer comes and it's it comes and goes, uh, uh, the, the economy is going to be, in a, you know, it's going to take a while to jump back. But uh, uh, if it lasts a year, uh, then then we're talking would be more like 2008, I think. You know, it, it just depends on how long this thing lasts, lasts, and and how many people truly get affected by it. My opinion, <laughs> Chris. What do you think? Yeah, so I, uh, I I agree with a lot of what Doug said. We're just kind of, I mean, we're only three weeks, four weeks into this thing. We're kind of still in the first inning. Like, we don't know. Like, um, we might not even be in the bottom of the first. Um, obviously, if a vaccine were to come out tomorrow, everything would be a-okay even if they even if they say yes it's got a vaccine but we got to produce it and that's three to four months but um you know you've seen all the money dry up not just hard money lenders q all non-qm stuff's gone so anybody out there that was you know selling you know originating mortgages and selling them off to some of these you know the secondary are most a lot of hard money lenders had learned how to tap into the secondary market so there were a lot of qm stuff a lot of rental stuff 6.5 stuff all that has disappeared um, in the last two weeks. And then you got, you know, FHA is tightening down its, uh, its guidelines uh, when they go from like a 580 to 640 um, for FHA mortgages. Um, so that's going to tighten down just on the net. I'm just, you know, the, the first time home buyer, um, you know, and then uh, everybody tells me the secondary market is all over the place. They don't, you know, so they just keep twisting it tighter. You know, jumbos had seen five and 10% down. Now it's strictly 20. So the, the, the spigot just tightens and tightens and tightens. And as the money gets less and less, and, you know, Doug said it, hard money lenders, like some of the big hard money buyers and nationally, Pier Street, you know, Turak, all these guys are just, uh, what, New York Capital, like all these guys are buying hard money loans from people all over the country and they just stopped. And then you look at the open door offer pad and Zillow's, that wasn't, you know, the CEO probably going, I'm going to stop. That was probably more like the money going, I'm going to stop. 
not not actually Obador Arvada Zillow, the money behind them saying, nope, I'm going to stop the money right now. So, um, you know, as the money tightens up, the market will tighten up. And, you know, if it, uh, and if it keeps going that way, then you'll see prices start to dip. So it's interesting you brought that up. I, this last year, PPC was one of my main strategies for marketing. And I would say half the calls I got, people already had offers from Open Door, OfferPad, and Zillow. Or, you know, for those of you with the iBuyers in your market, I think all of us on this call probably have the iBuyers in our market. With them leaving, how is that changing your, you know, your conversations? And what are you guys seeing there? Are you seeing a major change? Well, that's what you, I think that's why this, well, so we had an inventory spike of about 30% in like a two-week time frame. I don't know if you guys watched the inventory, but I, I think most of that was just iBuyer cancellations and then just picking up the phone and calling the, their local agent. Hopefully they all called Doug, but, um, you know, I think, and then obviously the Airbnbs, uh, we're seeing a flood of those come on the market. You can see, you can tell when you see a nice South Scottsdale and it's staged, you're like, Oh, yep. That was an Airbnb. <laughs> Jeff and Brian, what are you guys seeing with the iBuyers in your market that are backed out? Are you guys seeing changes in kind of seller behavior and, yeah, I'll go first. Um, I love it, man. Uh, before, like you said, every time we get a call, like I, I do TV with Doug. Um, I have Doug's same exact commercial. So you'll, you guys will have to like do a A-B test, uh, which one you like better. But anyways. Um, Doug is way better looking. I know that. Well, Doug, Doug's commercial has performed way better over time. So how can I even compete? Um, all I can do is steal it. So, um, anyways, like when we would get these commercial calls, they would always have a Zillow offer. And, um, it was like, man, okay, whatever. Like we're going to have to just either beat them with relationship and, you know, the intangible stuff like helping them move rent backs, like all those things. Uh, but now it's like, Hey, you don't have any other offers. Like there's no Zillow, there's no open door. There's nothing like here's the price. And literally I'm one of the only guys buying right now. So if you don't want to take it, like I get it, but this price today may not be the price two weeks from now. And if you believe me, look at what's happened these last two weeks. And so, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see the difference now. Um, you know, I'm noticing a couple of things though. When I look at inventory, you know, a lot of us are either tracking inventory, you know, basically just Actives divided by sales the last 30 days. So that gives us how many months of inventory we have. And we've seen a spike of very similar to uh, what Chris said, like 30% um, it's gone up um, in some cases more. But the actual homes for sale haven't changed much. Um, really what's happening is we're just having less pending sales um, than before. So like for instance, in Vegas, um, I was just checking it. I think we had like 5,500 actives, single family, and we had around 3,000 pending sales. So when you put those together, you have about 8,500 total homes. Okay. Well, before all this happened, we would have maybe only 4,000 actives and 4,000 pendings. So it was like, we had one month of inventory, right? But, um, Overall, the amount of homes available on the market is still the same. So we're not seeing sellers flood the homes or the market with new homes, um, which is 
for me anyways, as an investor, I like seeing that because if I saw that just everyone was dumping their home on the market, then prices are for sure going to shoot down. But we're not seeing that. We're just seeing less homes go into contract. Yeah, I'm pretty much uh, very similar to Ryan, um, and I, I definitely agree with that. Um, for us, um, we're actually seeing more wholesalers right now um, reaching out to us to JV a lot of more deals, um, maybe because their buying pool has you know dried up a little bit, and we're now because we have a different buying strategy, we are, we're able to dispo a lot more deals. So our JV deals have been skyrocketing just because of this situation, um, and we're really not seeing that much um, fluctuation with the inventory, like, you know, exactly what um, Brian was saying here in Tampa. Yeah, I think that's a good sign. I mean, I, uh, on the, it's a positive sign, but I kind of agree with Chris. It feels like we might just be in the first inning. Mm -hmm. and what does the rest of the eight innings look like? I think that's that crystal ball that nobody really has. And I know everybody joins these calls hoping to know what does the future look like. And I'm not sure anyone on this panel is willing to say. I'm not sure anyone knows what, what the future looks like. I, you know, the, the economists that apparently know what they're doing that predicted 3 million unemployment claims or whatever this last week, and there was double that amount. I mean, that's crazy. They can't even get it right. So I want to kind of walk through the life cycle. Thanks for giving us kind of an update on your markets. I appreciate that, guys. I want to walk through a life cycle of a deal and kind of talk first about how your marketing's changing right now, what you are changing, what your message looks like, and then what your sales approach looks like and how you're even doing sales with Shelter in Place. Let's, let's kind of first talk about marketing. You know, whoever wants to speak first can, but how has your marketing changed and what changes are you making major changes to your marketing in the last couple of weeks? So for us, um, we've been basically hiring more cold callers, um, more people are home. So we're reaching, we're reaching out, um, via cold calling and we're also doing targeted direct mail marketing pieces. Um, we have, we have a little more sympathy now, uh, empathy showing empathy based on our conversation because of the situation happening. So we're trying to build rapport massively in the beginning um, from our cold caller standpoint. And um, then we transition strictly over to our acquisitions to, to lock up the deal over the phone. Now, what they're doing is immediately, you know, building rapport, you know, seeing how if everyone's staying safe, you know, they're going through that entire process with them and um, letting them know that, you know, we are still actively buying in here in the Tampa Bay area. Um, we're, we're still one of the few that are, uh, able to do everything virtually. So our, our title company is, is still working virtually. Um, so we just reassure them that we can still run through this entire process uh, virtually. We're also let them know, hey, we don't even have to send out, because typically we'll send out what we call a runner to actually take pictures. So we don't have to even do that no more. We can, we can send them a gift card um, just for having them take pictures for us and we'll reward them just taking pictures. Uh, so these are little things that we're, we're adding into our repertoire to, um, you know, still make them feel comfortable and safe at the same time and still able to, you know, get a deal on the contract. Jeff, you know, I, I love what you said there though, right at the beginning and the fact that you're hiring more people to cold call, like you're making an adjustment to, capitalize on the changes that are happening where I think kind of the the story that's being told to all of us right now is is that you know the economy's hurting unemployment people are being let go 
I've seen people talk about the fact that they're laying people off. And, you know, I, I was kind of talking to Ryan about this the other day and I said, I haven't even had those thoughts yet because I feel like to Chris's point, we're still in the first inning. Like I, I, I wouldn't even have that thought hasn't even crossed my mind that I would let people go. It's more about how can we adjust to what's happening to this point. So I appreciate the fact that you brought up the fact that you're changing to, to cold call more often because people are at home. That's making an adjustment rather than kind of buying into the fear that, hey, we're not going to be able to find deals and we're not going to be able to dispo deals, so let's just cut payroll. So I appreciate you bringing that up. I just wanted to have yeah, a touch on that. Um, we actually just hired a dispo person as well uh, to handle strictly our JV deals. Like I said, our JV has influx, so now we hired him strictly on commission um, we just let him know, hey, look, we can't pay you a salary right now um, until the situation, you know, stabilizes. But will you come on board with a higher percentage of commission? So we're paying him, you know, 20 percent commission now um, just to, to come on board. And he's a he's a rock star salesperson. So I think um, for us was really we wanted to, you know, maybe double down a little bit and hire more people and then bring them on as, you know, to adjust their pay scale a little bit to, um, to, to ride this wave with us. I'll say the one thing for us too is, um, you know, someone asked, how are you showing houses, um, you know, with sellers living there and all that. So some states are obviously a little more strict than others. Um, here in Vegas, like we can still go show a house and all that stuff. So we've kind of instructed, um, all of our sales guys, myself included, and all of our realtors at our brokerage that, hey, you know, let it be known with the seller right out the gate on the phone call of what your expectations are going to be so there's no awkwardness. So we say, hey, Mr. Seller, just so you know, for your protection and ours, we are going to practice social distancing. So here's what it's going to look like. We're going to stay six feet away from you. Um, we're going to be wearing gloves. And if we have masks, we'll say we're going to be wearing masks. Um, if you can turn on all the lights, open all the doors, the less things that we have to touch, the better. And, um, it's going to be awkward, but I just want to prep you for it so that, um, you know, we can protect you and, um, you know, the people at our companies that sound good. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's so great. So if you guys are struggling to get into a home, that's how you get into a home. If you want to, now you can close it over the phone and do all that. But I mean, I, I'm a believer that appointments are always going to, uh, you know, get you a better deal or more likely make a deal than not. So um, that's kind of some stuff we're doing to, um, you know, ease the seller's doubts about people coming in their homes. Um, what what marketing methods have you changed, Ryan? Have you adjusted, gone deeper on one, gotten rid of some? Yeah. So like I said, we were doing TV with Doug and um, we've decided to spend more on TV because everyone's stuck in their house watching TV. So I'm like, I'm going to advertise on the news. I'm going to be on the places everyone's eyes are glued. And so if everyone else don't want to, you know, everyone else wants to pull back, we're going to go jump in. So that's what we've done. Um, the other thing that we've done is reach out to realtors and title companies. And we've said, hey, all these other people are backing out. Hit us up. We're buying. You know, if you got an open door back out or another buyer backing out, we'll save the deal. And we've already bought three like that that are like really good deals. That's free marketing, right? I mean, that's zero dollar marketing. Zero dollar marketing. And if prices remain the same, we'll make a lot of money, but we'll see. 
So Chris, I know last time you and I spoke, you were heavily cold calling realtors and kind of developing that out. How, how have you changed your marketing up with everything that's going on and what are you doing? The word, you know, I'm different than, I don't do a lot of direct to seller marketing. I'm kind of the wholesalers wholesaler here in Phoenix, you know? Um, so it's, it's, we've just kind of, we're kind of more reverse engineering it. Um, I got guys calling, basically going through the buyer's list and just say, Hey, what are you still buying? And then once it, if they give me an area, a price range or something like that, um, you know, I can generally match what, I mean, I see there's a hundred wholesale emails every day and they don't have buyers for them. So I'm literally just going and finding the buyers and going, Oh, that one will fit to that guy. And I'll just network my three to five grand into that deal. Yeah. And, and those of you that are listening, I think people hear wholesaling and they think the only model is to go directly to seller and then go find a buyer to buy it that wants to flip it. But there's a lot of room in between in that pipeline that you've been able to figure out how to make money on. Okay. All right, Doug, this is your, this is your uh, time to shine. Talk to us about what marketing you're doing. I'm sure you're probably doubling down or tripling down on TV, right? What are you doing? Yeah, we, we've been, uh, so we did a whole new commercial and I just cut and it. In fact, today's the first day it's airing. Uh, just saying uh, that we're still buying, you know, that, that a lot of it news has talked about the iBuyers and, and how they've disappeared and, a lot of people uh, were under contract and now they're not anymore. And so we kind of um, uh, uh, changed up the commercial. Uh, we're going to split test it against the regular commercial uh, just to see if that uh, creates more uh, emotion uh, and, and gets the phones to ring a little bit, uh, a little bit more. They're, they're actually, the phones, our leads are substantially up. Um, the uh, Getting the sellers to... You know, it, I, it, it's, we were talking about comparisons to 01 or 08 uh, earlier. I, I see a lot of comparisons to uh, in 07 when this, it took a while for the sellers to come around that, yes, it's really true. Your house is not worth 300000 anymore. It's now worth two fifty, And in a month, it's going to be worth two forty, And in three months, it's going to be worth two hundred. Yeah, and you know it went so fast back then, and uh, people didn't have time to catch up to where the bottom was falling, and by then we were, we were too far gone. So uh, it's going to take a little bit of while. We've been in such a hot market for so such a long period of time that it's going to take a while to get those really good juicy deals that you know that you're going to be able to either wholesale or take down and be very very uh, secure in the number that you paid, especially if it's. Uh, a longer close of escrow. Um, we're doing that, and, and then also a lot of people are on social media uh, every day. So I think it's a good time to start uh, to start ramping up the Facebook and social media uh, part of your business. Uh, we've never been that heavy on social media, and we're we're going to be getting on there and, and doing that uh, significantly more, and, and trying to grab a lot more people as people uh, you know turn from. Uh, television into Netflix and streaming instead of television. So, uh, you know, we want to catch, uh, catch the people that don't watch TV anymore. So I've got a question. This is kind of a selfish question and maybe somebody on this call will get some benefit out of this. I've never advertised on TV. I've always been, I mean, it's like doing something that just seems like this huge hill to accomplish. There's this big wall to get over. 
give it, give kind of those listening and me kind of a very basic, what that looks like, what it entails, what it costs, like what, what does that world look like? Well, uh, I'll kick your butt if you get on TV, man. <laughs> We're in the same market, brother. <laughs> no, I, I, I would do it in New Mexico. Are you in, are you in New Mexico? I, I, we flip about 60 deals a year in New Mexico. Got it. Nice, nice. Uh, no, you know, uh, it, it, you, you can do, you know, TV, you could do as, as little as you want or as much as you want. Uh, and, you know, we... We've upped it, you know, I've been doing TV since probably 2013, I would say, so six, seven years, somewhere in there. Um, and we started out at, at seven, maybe seven, ten, nah, probably about 10 grand a month. And now we're, you know, between California and Arizona, we're at 200,000 a month, uh, you know, if not more. And, and, uh, wow. uh, and that brings in, you know, probably about, 45 to 50 deals a month. Um, so, it, it, but we, we took a while to get, I mean, you couldn't start at, at some number like that unless you had, you know, you know, the, the, the uh, Wall Street behind you, all the Wall Street guys that closed up shop. Uh, but, you know, we just, we, we ramped it up to that. And, uh, and I think, Ryan, you, you started out smaller. Didn't you grow it a little bit as, as time goes and up there in Vegas? Yeah, um, I started this year in January. We spent about fifteen grand the first month, and then I was liking it. We spent fifteen again, and then in March I was like, "Let's double down." So I think we spent like twenty or twenty-five in March. So, what makes you like it? Give us the juice, Ryan. Why? Why is if if somebody's in a market that Doug could help out do it with? Why walk us through what the the exciting part about it was for you? Um. I mean, the leads are just, they're motivated, right? I mean, you don't call a TV commercial unless you're motivated. So um, I think they're a different level of lead compared to the texting and the cold calling and the outbound stuff. Um, you know, I also like it just because for us anyways, um, it works good with kind of brand recognition. Um, I mean, I'm the guy on the commercial now, so people recognize me. And so if I go on an appointment, um, they're like, they think I'm famous for some reason, but, uh, you know, it ends up, it ends up playing well for doing a deal. They're like, I want to do a deal with this guy. And, I think um, you were famous before you went on TV, Ryan, just so you know, I not, not to a normal person. So, um, <laughs> just to me. you know, I, I actually had Doug film one for us too, because we were going to split test and I was going to see like, okay, how will it be if Doug does it versus me doing it? Um, but you know, Doug's, um, partner Darren was like, no, we're just sticking with you. So um, I think I would have stayed at the same budget had not all this happened because it's like, well, ads are cheaper now and you have like double the people watching. Everyone's in quarantine. So like it makes sense to, to double down. That's interesting. No, I appreciate that. And I, uh, thanks for sharing that. Jeff, walk us through what closing on the phone looks like and, and, I know that's a kind of marketing method you really focus on. You've been doing it for quite a while. I mean, you transitioned over to this way before any of this happened. So what, for those, you know, teach people on the call what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we did, we did the tradi traditional way of going on the uh, door to door appointments and um, we realized uh, we started getting a lot of deals being lost and we lost like 75 K in deals in uh, January and February of uh, 
last year. So that's when we switched and um, switched our entire model up. Um, it was scary at first, um, training our entire team to actually, um, you know, go strictly live and, and then lock up deals uh, virtually. Um, but once we got over the hump and that, that fear factor, um, it was it was all golden. Um, we had the biggest uh, third quarter and uh, second and third quarter from right after that. And so uh, for us, it's it's we use cold calling. So um, once our cold caller transitions, they transition directly to our acquisition. So it reaches our entire floor, and whoever is available uh, will pick up live. And we we pretty much do like a warm transfer. So like the cold caller will say, hey, you know, I have uh, Michelle on the line. Um, she's interested in hearing an offer. Um, and we'll go ahead and live transfer it. And right there, we go into our entire scripts and we just let them know that, you know, we're, we're not, we're investors. We're not going to be looking to purchase every single home. Um, we do work with a team of agents, um, which we do. My wife is an agent, so she's here. Um, if you need to list your property, we can also list your property as well. Um, and just setting the expectations in the front end, um, letting them know that we're not going to be buying every single home. So, they can, you know, shoot that out the door if they want a million dollars for their home and there's only 200 grand. Um, so we let them know that right up front and we just follow the entire flow and we literally have uh, DocuSign straight up. So we send them the contract immediately while they're on the phone with us. We go through the contract while we're on the phone with them and we lock up that deal while we're on the phone with them. Um, so we try to do everything in one call. That, been, that's uh, a big deal. I mean, anybody else doing that? Yeah, we, we do that. Um, that's actually been my preferred method of closing deals. And I kind of succumbed to the pressure of going on appointments a while back. And, and it just, it doesn't suit my personality type and, and I'm in charge of acquisitions and I'm just like Jeff, you know, I, I want to lock it up right now. Why even get yeah. off the phone? But to Doug's point that he brought up, that, that he feels like this is similar to 2007, where people are not make the sellers are not making the adjustments to the value of their house coming down. I think it's going to get very important for for people like myself and for Jeff's team to make an adjustment to that. We're not going to be able to lock down those properties on that initial phone call with an unreasonable seller, right? So now that makes follow-up that much more key to that strategy and and really the being a little bit softer with how we make our offer where we're kind of trying to explain why we are where we are and and we're not as hard as we were maybe in the past because look my feelings are two three weeks ago we had no leverage as a buyer that, that's kind of how I felt and I feel like right now we took all of the leverage back right and so at this point in time, we, we make our offers, but we have to be a little bit more empathetic about their situation. And it might take two, three, four, five follow-ups of that offer, just continuing to explain why we are where we are. You, you know, maybe people don't understand. We all think it's common knowledge that Zillow and Open Door and, and Redfin, they all went away, right? But to a normal seller, they might not know that anymore. And they might have to go out and find out the hard way um, unfortunately, this just happened to my neighbor. My next door neighbor just literally moved out of his house and was like, yeah, Zillow's closing on the house. And, and then he called me and let me know like, hey, Zillow just backed out. And, and he literally moved to another state 
and and he's in that situation now so he can't sell to me because i'm offering too low and so now he's in this awful situation and so it just takes a lot more nurturing than i think it, it might have taken mine and jeff's teams a couple of weeks ago and and just i think that follow-up is going to be huge for for teams like us that do everything virtually anyways yeah and you bring up a great point because um that's exactly what we're doing uh, um you know since I formed another company called um, Real Tech Automation, uh, which we're, you know, we literally build out automations um, just like that. So we built out automations and part of our team. So our follow-up system is, is, I think, is truly key. Um, so once they do come in our funnel, um, in our podio, we we literally, if, if we can't lock it up right then, then we give them a warm offer follow-up. So we'll follow up with them for 14 days, um, which automatically gets sent out. So a drip will get sent out automatically texting them and emailing them and giving them great value about our company. So we go over our core values in the emails. We also tell them our, our, our literally our steps of how we're buying virtually. And, and then what's great about it is it allows us to go into other markets. You know, right now we're in the Tampa Bay market. We're in the Philadelphia market. Now we just launched our Washington. Um, so now we're in the Washington market. Um, so being able to do that virtually um, and locking up it over phones, helps us grow into multiple markets. So if we're in a market right now going through a depression and and prices drop, you know, Tampa might not be affected, whereas another market might be affected. So we can just switch our whole model into another market and, and still be able to lock up deals. So I have a really quick uh, point to make or a question to ask, whatever. Um, so we've had to do a lot of, like RJ mentioned, we had had, um, where we kind of had a hybrid. Uh, he's actually the best person at closing over the phone. So I actually am the one that kind of leaned towards the, I like to close at an appointment. So um, we've had to really change like our lead intake forms and things like that. Um, Jeff, since you guys are, are doing with, you're hiring all these cold callers, have you had to adjust that at all? I know you were really doing a lot of this but I think that's one big adjustment for us is, you know, I've been working on over the past couple of weeks is getting better about making sure like everybody gets to say RJ's level at closing over the phone. Have you had to, you know, change any of that with your new sales trainings? Like I'm, I guess I'm more asking on the, on the training portion for these people. Um, so our, I mean, we, we literally do uh, coaching calls every single day um, on how we, we're closing on the phone. So we go through a lot of rebuttals as well. Uh, so we'll randomly post rebuttals in, in chat or if they're in my office, my team is in my office, I'll randomly walk by and say, hey, um, you know, the price is too high, you know, or something like that. And, and we'll, they'll eventually start learning all the rebuttals. And that's how we're able to over, come over rejections a lot quickly. And, and so I'm training my entire team, even the co-callers, they go through rebuttal training as well. And so I think that's beneficial. So when they're on these calls and they're calling, they, they have like all that under their uh, belt so they can just reach out and say, okay, I know this rebuttal because I practice this so many times. It comes like fluent for me. And um, I don't know, that's, that's what we're doing with our team. We're just constantly training and we do a lot of script training every day, every day. In situations on the rebuttals, Jeff, um, is that something that you you want each member of your team coming back with a similar response? 
or are you leaving that open to like their personality type and allowing them to kind of be a little bit more organic and natural with it? Absolutely. hundred percent. So they, they follow, they're on John Martinez's call. So, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of it about their personalities. And um, so they take it to their personality and how they can tailor um, building that rapport with that client. And so that's how they're, you know, they're building their uh, rebuttals. Um, our, our acquisition guy who literally say, you know, I can appreciate that, you know, um, I, I see that you, you want to, you want to go on, on a cruise and, and you want to sell your home, you know, they'll, he'll tailor just like that. And, and just, you know, so that's how he works. He just listens to very listenly, very closely to the, the sellers and then kind of tailor their rebuttals based on that, you know, like, um, a typical one that he gets a lot is, you know, I need to, I need to consult my wife. And he was like, hey, you know, you just told me about your wife. You know, she works at the, you know, doctor's office. You know, I, I can definitely appreciate, you know, that, you know, she, she's helping the community out and things like that. So I know she has a tough job. Um, but, you know, maybe we can get her on a three-way and we can, you know, kind of figure this out together. You know, do you think her, her issues will be the price or maybe the process or maybe it's just me, you know, and kind of go into that situation. So I, I definitely require them to tailor it to themselves, not just be here's a script and here's a rebuttals and tell them exactly this. I appreciate you bringing that up, Jeff. You know, I think personalities of your salespeople and, and yourself, right? If you're a single operator listening to this call is important that, you know, take whatever training you get on sales and adapt it to your personality, but super, super important in a market like this is, and I see it within myself. I mean, I'm really good that when I feel anxiety, my wife was, telling me she, she hates when I get anxiety, but she likes it because she knows I'm going to work harder and, and figure it out. But parts of me gets depressed first. And then I kind of go, go through that like little depression and like get out of it and crank out of it. Like where I'm going with this is, you know, I think as salespeople, true salespeople, they have a lot of disruptive emotions. And what I mean by that is, is you're, you internalize how you're feeling at the time. And sometimes you project that into the situation on the sales call. And as leaders, especially a team like yours, as big as yours, Jeff, and, and those listening to this call, I mean, you got to instill confidence in these people right now. And there's a lot of scare, scare crap, crap that's scary out there in the world right now. And making sure that your people are on their game and that they're feeling the confidence from you, that they're going to have a job that, you know, and I, if, if they have some disruptive emotions coming in, it's going to affect the way that they talk to sellers. I agree. And I think, I think also in um, investing in your team as well, um, we invest in our team. Uh, we give them training courses. You know, if there, if there's a John Martinez course or if there's a sales course that they want to attend, you know, we'll go ahead and invest that money into them because at the end of the day, they're an investment. I, I believe your employees, your, your people on your team, your staff, they're an investment. You want to invest into them. Um, and, and we also let them know that, you know, they're just not riding this wave and you're just in a number, you know, we're, we want you to grow with us as well. Yeah. Doug and Chris, are you guys like with your teams and the people that work with you? I mean, what are you doing to kind of keep people's, um, it's funny, the word comes to me in Spanish, animo, but it's like their, their confidence level. How do you keep them motivated? Well, you know, we, we were pretty early on. We had everyone working from home. Um, I made that decision probably two weeks before uh, two weeks before we had to kind of do that uh, before it really blew up just because I, I kind of saw this thing coming. We've been tracking it for for a while, um, and 
you know, when, when deals were falling out or we had to renegotiate and, and take less and, and, and most of my intake and, and uh, uh, guys that distribute the houses, uh, you know, they're all based on, on percentages uh, of the, of the, the take. And, and so their pay went down a little bit um, on, on that. And, and uh, the way I keep them kind of motivated and, and, and not getting down in the dumps is by saying, listen, this could be a huge opportunity. Look at the look at how the landscape of the buy uh, of the buyers have changed in such a small period of time. It's changed so dramatically over such a small period of time. And I've been through this. And if the worst happens, and guess what? Get ready because you're going to be making more money than you know what to do with. Because uh, I remember 08 and and nine and ten and eleven into. And I mean. It was insane, and we were buying and buying and buying. And guess what? We're, I'm a heck of a lot more ready now than I was back then. Uh, you know, a lot more experience uh, and a and a lot more avenues to to uh, to find properties. Not only at trustee sales, if that happens, if we get a load of foreclosures again, but also direct to seller and and uh, and every every avenue that we could possibly can so the opportunity if if the worst hits which you know everyone's scared of and i i, I truly don't believe it is I don't, I don't think that this is going to be as big as as, as what a lot of, you know it, it, you know 50 of the people think that's going to be it's going to be the worst thing ever and 50 percent of them that still thinks it's a it's kind of a joke and and it's it's government run and it's a whole conspiracy theory i see it and i and i see everyone in between I, i'm right in the middle i, I don't know which way it's going to go i don't know if it's we're going to come out of this pretty fast or not but I'm prepared either way, and um, when we see uh, when we see a way to adapt to to do that, uh, we can move pretty fast. And I know I know one thing: we're not shutting down like the big boys. We're going to be we're going to be going straight forward and, and moving ahead, and we'll figure out a way to make to make money. I guarantee. It. I mean, it, it, it sounds like you you get it you because you've been through it. You get how an employee making forty to eighty grand a year, like they're they're a lot more scared than maybe we are. Yeah, and that's 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 my message to them is it, it doesn't matter which way it goes. We're going to be, we're going to be just fine. And uh, you know, you might have to take, take in the shorts here for, for a little bit, but I promise you down the road, it's going to pay off. You know, sometimes you got to go through a little bit of mud to come out on the other side, even better. So, and every time that this has happened, that's exactly what's happened. So uh, when you're going through it, sometimes it's not so fun, but when you come out of the other side, you come out stronger. I think that's something that we, you know, tend to forget, you know, in the position that we're in, usually we're pretty strong. We're leaders. Um, I know for myself and ourselves team and everybody on my team, they've really appreciated those personal conversations because although we can keep our work environment good, I think we can um, show them uh, the future of what we think is about to, you know, take place in our business and how we can really capitalize on that. But they're going home to all different types of things, whether it's their wife or husband may not be employed anymore. They've got kids running crazy um, at the house. I have investors, buyers that I've worked with for a long time wanting to sell package deals because they're like, we just, too much has changed. I just want to offload inventory. So my point is that we just don't know what their home life is. So I think it's extra important to take that time and really sit down with all of your employees, VAs, everybody, because there's so much change that's going on outside of just the work environment um, to make sure that they feel very settled about the work environment, but then let them get on a more personal level with you right now, because our job is to lead during this time and to be strong and to be motivators. And I think more than ever, that a lot of people are needing that right now. So just wanted to remind you that that's really important. And I've had 
multiple people on my team say, thank you so much. You don't know how much that meant. I needed to hear that today. I was in a really bad spot and it was completely offside of what's going on in work right now. Yeah, I think to your point, Jamie, the last person you want demotivated is your sales rep, right. your acquisition person, right? Like your acquisition people are motivated, you're screwed. I mean, it's all over. Those conversations change really fast. Yeah, and Jamie, that that's uh, amazing because we're we're doing the exact same. We had that exact same discussion with our team, and we have like, hey, let, if you guys have any issues, anything that's going on in your personal life, you know, please reach out to us. We have an open door policy. Give us a call. You know, it doesn't have to be work related. You know, um, I think that's definitely key. And then what we're doing now, we're doing um, every two p.m. We're doing a huddle virtually with with our team for about fifteen minutes just to make sure that everyone is uh, staying on top. If they have any concerns or questions, let them know that we have this time allotted. So just go around the room and ask your questions or any concerns. Um, I, you know, I think that's been helpful for our team as well. You know, a, we, we ask specific questions for everyone that registers for these calls because data is king, right? Like we want to gather the information so we can cater these calls to everyone that's registering. And one of the questions that we've been asking is how many deals are you doing per year? So we can kind of understand where the people that are registering for these webinars is at. And it looks like quite a bit of people are fitting in that like five to 20 deals a year range, right? Which is pretty typical, right? That's going to be the vast majority of people that are getting in on, on real estate investing. With that being said, you know, that means you probably are running a pretty lean team, right? And, and Cassie and I, we've been blessed enough to run a very large team. We've had up to 70 people employed and we've scaled all the way down to where we're less than 10 people total across the country. And I say that because if we're now one of those lean teams and this is the message that I keep telling everybody is, look, team, we leaned out because we thought a correction was coming, right? We didn't know it was gonna be a worldwide pandemic that shut down the entire world. We thought it was gonna be more of a soft correction, not anything close to 2008, but look, we weren't, real, we weren't real estate investors in 2008, right? Like I was like early 20s getting drunk at bars in 2008, so I didn't even know what was going on. So I needed to be prepared and I need, at one point in time when we had 70 people employed, I remember like yelling at Cassie in my office and I'm like, we're like a cruise ship. Like we see the iceberg like a mile away and we can't do anything about it. We just plow into it and sink. Like I can't get anybody on the same page. We're all across the country in different time zones and it's very difficult. So we wanted to lean out and it's very easy for us to make changes now. And the, the message that I keep telling everybody on our team is, is guys, look, we just got to buckle down for a couple of weeks and see how this is going to play out. But I promise you that as soon as we know the direction that we need to head, we are prepared to do it no matter what the cost is, because it's so few of us, we can make those changes and we can implement whatever strategies we need to do because we've done it at all at this point in time, we're ready to do it. And I can feel that as strange as it is with everything that's going on in the world, the morale of our team is actually better today than it was before everything got shut down. So if you're running a lean team, kind of think about the position that you're in and the fact that you are able, able to maneuver a lot easier 
than people with very large teams. So I just wanted to share that because that's kind of the, the message that we've been telling our team right now. Ryan, I want to get you in on here. What does your team look like and kind of how do you, what are your thoughts on everything people have said? Yeah, our team right now, um, on the flipping side, I have a couple acquisitions guys, uh, one dispositions, COO, a um, few project managers. Um, right now, we do the majority of our business in Vegas, um, but we have some flips in Tucson and uh, a couple in Cali. But uh, no, everything is, we have not laid off anyone. Um, you know, I've let everyone know, like, my intention is to go even harder. Like, I don't, I don't plan on reducing salaries or, you know, backing down or anything like that. Like, I've got the team I want, and we've been kind of – like, we've never tried to, like, scale super big um, out the gate, you know. We uh, have slowly grown it um, to where we are, and we're only adding people if we feel like they're really, really talented. Um, but – yeah, I mean, everyone's, everyone's liking it. Everyone um, sees we're still buying when everyone else isn't. So, you know, I think um, our whole team's pretty confident where we're at right now. So this is a good transition. And, Chris, I'm going to throw you on if you don't mind. And it's a question that I had written down for this call, and it's a question we've gotten a couple times in the chat so far also. And I want everybody's opinion on this that's on this call because I think it's super important for those listening. How has your buy box changed you know, talking about how important it is to have kind of a strike zone built where you know what your strike zone is. How has your buy box changed and with the changes that have happened recently? Well, um, <clears throat> when everything was going on, everybody was doing everything, right? Mobile homes, apartment style condos, dirt, whatever, whatever you thought you could wholesale or make money on, it was, you were willing to go after it just because the market was at. I mean, now you just got to stick to the stuff that people are going to buy, right? I mean, people aren't going to be buying dirt right now. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you guys can all throw. I've been through a downturn, so I know that mobile homes and apartment-style condos will go to the floor, and they will go to the floor fast and first. Um, I'm, I, Doug, how many how many um, mobile homes did we buy for ten grand? Like yeah. hundreds, like ten grand, hundreds of them, like. You, 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 you'd even buy them for like 9,500 and you have your $10,000 bid check and get a refund for 500 bucks. So, <laughs> um, you know, it just, I mean, those, those two will hit the floor fast. And I mean, I know people are still sending them to me. What will you pay for it? I'm like, oh, like, so your buy box has got to be single family. Um, you know, the stuff that people want to buy, cause people aren't going to buy that odds and end stuff right now. So. And that's great advice. And before we jump, some other, other people throw their opinions in. And feel free to just jump in at any time if you have questions or thoughts like I do about what Chris said. I mean, what what about your return or however you calculate how much you're paying? Are you trying to get, you know, is just whatever you can right now? Or are you trying to buy deeper? Where are you at with that, Chris? Well, so, you know, like I said, I'm a wholesaler's wholesaler. And I've, you know, you know, I'm usually 30 houses a month. That's kind of my number. Um, and I can tell you, I could sell between 70 and 75 cents. My I've sold seven deals in the last two weeks, which I'm thankful for. Like, you know, in times like this, seven deals is not what I'm used to, but I'll, I'll take it. And I'll tell you the numbers like about 66, 67 cents on the dollar. And so, you know, I'm just telling everybody, cause a lot of people use me to underwrite their stuff. Like a lot of these small wholesalers, you know, 
I probably comp 50 houses a day for these guys just because they, I'm kind of their disposition. And I'm just like, you know, if it's 200, we got to be at 120. It's got to be 60 cents on the dollar. And, and that's just the reality of it. And like Doug said, the seller may not be there yet, but that's, you know, what, and Jeff said the follow-ups all about, because you're just going to have to remind or keep calling and remind them that, you know, that's where it's going to go. And then, you know, you know, comping back in 08, 09, 10, you were kind of looking at like, if inventory starts to rise, let's just say that there's that 200 house in the market. You're like, I need to be at 195, maybe 189.9 to, so mine sells and not that guy's. So mm -hmm. that was the mentality back then anyway. Yeah. And so, I think, I think creating a, uh, we have a drip sequence just for that um, alone. So if we're, we're, we're switching our strategy up and we're buying around 60 cents on the dollar as well. Um, but if they fall outside of that and they, they want a lot more then we have a drip that sends out 20 for 21 days or actually six months, sorry, six months, they're on a drip sequence that uh, basically just sends them a text message and an email that kind of, you know, touch base with them. Hey, did you sell that home yet? Did you get that asking price that you were looking for? If not, we're still able to buy it, you know, and send them a little email about the market and things like that. So we put that in like little drips so they actually can, you know, get that message and, and still see if they can call back. That's what I was about to say, Jeff. You know, Lynette Jones just posted in there that she says she's hearing from her buyers 60% of ARV minus repairs, right? So what does this tell us? This tells us that our, our customers as wholesalers, our cash buyers, they now realize that they have all the leverage in the world, right? If they're still a buyer, they are now putting it to us. And they're saying, whereas two weeks ago, it was 80% minus repairs, right? Now they're at 60%. So what is that? That's why I feel like now all of a sudden I am super comfortable as a buyer, no matter if I'm wholesaling or flipping it, because I'm going to tell the seller what I'm willing to pay and that's what I'm willing to pay. I'm not going to budge from it, but moving forward, even if we lose the deal, whereas in the past, if we lost a deal, it was game over, right? That wholesaler was going to be able to move it. Now I'm feeling like that is going to be a huge opportunity. Even if we lose the deal, I think it's going to be temporarily because there's going to be wholesalers that are going to be locking these up for far too much. Chris, you're probably seeing that already where, you know, some of your people are bringing deals and you're like, hey, bro, world changed like two weeks ago. I don't know if you turned on the news or not. And if we continue to follow up with those sellers, we're going to be the guy that continues to follow up, even though they're under contract with somebody else, you know, and we can continue to get those deals. That's why I think follow up is going to be so key, even when they tell you, hey, I accepted a higher offer. I think it's still key for us to follow up on those people. Yeah, everything needs to be repriced. I mean, I had to reprice, you know, 15 homes that were under contract, so. Doug, Ryan, what does your guys' buy box look like right now? How's it changed? Um, the higher end stuff. Uh, we're still seeing, at least in Phoenix anyway, uh, anything under 350 is still moving pretty fast and, and you're still able to, to get rid of them, uh, you know, fairly easily to, uh, to an end user. The higher end stuff is really going to start hurting. Uh, anything 500 and, and up uh, is going to be harder to come by. Uh, you know, those are a lot of people that, that are 
you know, depend on the stock market. And, and I think the stock market going down has hurt, hurt them tremendously. It always does whenever there's on the higher end uh, stuff. So I'm going to stay away from the higher end stuff, but I'll be, I'll be non-competitive on anything over $500,000. That one, that I can tell you hundred uh, uh, percent. And, and also when I, when I did take, I took a couple of bumps uh, in, in 08, not, not too, too bad, but what I did get hurt on was uh, land. And so uh, I'm going to stay with what I know and I'm, I'm not going to buy any commercial buildings or any land because those are the two things that, that hurt me back in the day. So I'm going to, I'm going to stay away from that stuff. And, and uh, cause that, that'll be next. If it, you know, it's, it starts with housing and then, you know, it'll go to land and then it'll go to the commercial phase of it. And, and so I'm going to, I'm going to stay away from that stuff and, and, uh, and wait for that to go down. Thanks. Yeah. For me, um, you know, we're buying about 10% deeper now. Um, you know, if we were buying 80 to 85% ARV minus repairs, we're now at 70 to 75. But we've definitely changed um, the type of product we're buying, like a lot of guys here are saying. Um, you know, I'll, I'll still buy mobile homes, but really cheap. Um, condos, single family and all that. Not buying luxury, really. Um, and that was never really our business model to begin with. But Really, I'm just trying to get into low risk deals. That's, that's our main thing. And kind of pretty much taking those houses that Open Door and Zillow and those guys were buying and targeting those. Um, if we can just buy wholetails, that really limits our risk um, because we're, we're mainly flipping, not wholesaling. So when we want to limit risk with flipping, you know, you think about it, there's three ways you can get burned. You can get burned because you misjudge ARV because your hold time and your money costs eat you up or you go way over on rehab. Those are the three ways you get burned. So I want to avoid big rehabs because a big rehab obviously can go up more, but a big rehab also can burn me on hold time. You know, if I get popped for, you know, permits and they take forever, I'm going to get burned those two ways. And then also the longer this goes, the more I can get burned on ARV because the longer this plays out, the more likely my ARV is to change. But when you're buying hotels, you, you eliminate a lot of those risks because it's so quick. Your ARV is likely to be what you anticipate. Your rehab is likely to be what you anticipate. Um, and your hold time is going to be low. So for me anyways, um, we're really focused on getting hotels and these easy fix and flips. If anything's a big rehab, I mean, we need it way cheaper than um, pretty much anyone's willing to give it to us because it's gotta be so protected and padded that we're gonna do it. Nice. No, I think that's great advice. I, I've got a couple big rehabs in Scottsdale, Doug, that uh, I wish I didn't own right now, but I gotta finish them. There's just no choice, you got caught. Yep, that's what happens. That's why I didn't get into any new construction or anything like that. It's just you never know what's going to happen over, you know, that kind of time frame. So that's why I kind of stayed away. I've always stayed away from new construction myself. A lot of guys in our industry, especially in Phoenix, trans transitioned to new construction in the last year or two. And it, it, it that's what's always scared me is just the fact that you I can't project out 12 months. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. Ryan, I saw an interesting question uh, or more of a comment in the, the Q and the chat there. Um, a general contractor said her pricing is going up to it due to everything that's going on. And so she's having to charge her investors more as the general contractor. 
that's something that we're not really even thinking about at this point with, you know, our sales strategies. And when we're going in to buy properties is how this is also going to impact our contractors and the amount of work that they either have or don't have and how that should also impact our offers as well. So what's interesting about that is I had a conversation with my project manager yesterday about that. And he said the plumbers and electricians and HVAC are, are subs that are the highest price on our flips are so freaking busy right now because everyone's trying to finish their project projects as fast as they can. And I just, I told him, you know, Hey, look, we're going to be around when this is all over. Don't price gouge us and realize that probably two weeks, maybe a month, they're going to have no work. So give us fair pricing now. And you know, you're also going to have all the commercial contractors move to residential because a lot of the commercial contractors just lost all their funding. Anybody doing TI work on a, on a commercial space or anything like that. I mean, they probably just got all their funding pulled in the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. yep. no, I, appreciate yeah, I agree that. with that. I think I actually think construction costs are going to go down just because supply and demand, you know, if nobody is buying right now, you know, yeah, people have projects that are trying to get done, like you said, Ryan, but I mean, a month, two months from now, you're going to have to be, you know, flippers are going to be naming their prices everywhere with the wholesalers, with the, the contractors. I mean, we went from this market where the sellers were in control for so long and then the wholesalers were in control. You know, they had all these flippers competing to buy their deals and now the tables have turned where the flippers are the ones that are like, all right, you know, I don't need your deal. You know, there's deals everywhere, you know? So I think you're about to see the switch. Yeah. You just got to get through the tail and get through the inventory. Well, Hey, I appreciate everybody being on the call. I know we're kind of past the hour. I think we've had some really, really great conversation and, and those that are listening, I'm sure really appreciate it. And to all my panelists, Thanks for the call and uh, you know, we'll, we'll send out an email with all your guys' Instagram accounts and Facebook. Is that the best way to get a hold of most of you? Social media? IG yeah. baby. Sure. All right, yeah, so hey, this is super important. All four of these guys, if you're in Florida, if you're in Phoenix, if you're in Vegas, these guys are buying, so send them your deals. Definitely. Thanks guys. Thank you.